Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Dom DiTola, with my co-host, Chris Quinn. All right, and today we've got a very special episode. Uh, to quote famous comedian Bill Burr, this one's for the ladies. Yeah, this is our first uh, woman uh, athlete on this podcast. And uh, I couldn't think of a better woman to do. Uh, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lady that I refer to as the female Bo Jackson, the versatile and very talented Babe Diedrichsen Zaharias. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about her, um, being that uh, she was born in 1911 well, you know, and, and died in 56, but <laughs> essentially was the, um, was the first female true like multi-sport athlete that was like dominating yeah no she was a superstar for that era and for a woman to be a superstar athlete in the 30s 40s and 50s yeah. is pretty remarkable i only honestly knew about her because uh my sister when she was in elementary school did a project on her and um you know living at home i you know saw the research and i'm like this chick's pretty cool, man. Yeah, like, she definitely uh, was a great athlete. And this is the thing that I found is she went from pretty much every sport that women were allowed to play in that era and dominated. Like She even went up against dudes. Yes. I mean, that, that that's what made her so impressive, particularly for that time period, is she was pretty much a trailblazer for multiple sports for women. Yeah, well doing this research I, I just kept thinking of and i love sports movies so much but i kept thinking of the uh the tom hanks movie the uh, league, of their, league of their own where they make all these women play baseball in skirts and <laughs> that's pretty much what she was breaking down was this rule of femininity that was like no like you're either a butch looking man or you know what i mean like a, a yeah. beautiful dainty woman and she was a, a beautiful woman that was just absolutely destroying in all these sports and, and it's it's one of these things that like really it reverberated well after her death oh yeah i mean like you look at any top athlete list of the last like half century and male or female and she's in the mix yeah she's in the she's not only in the mix i mean it's not like she just played these sports like as a side thing. I mean, whatever she set her mind to, she went out and kicked some ass. Like, yeah. Well, let's get right into. Uh, so she started. So here, yeah, we, you you get into it. And uh, then... Born June twenty sixth, nineteen eleven. Yep. As you said, um, in Texas, uh, her real given name is Mildred Ella Diedrichsen. That's what she was born as to uh, Norwegian parents. Um, Babe came along later. There's some speculation on how she earned that nickname. Some people think it was because she was so dominant like Babe Ruth. Um, but I think the original start of the name was because her parents were Norwegian. When she was a baby, they called her Bebe, which is translated to Babe. So that's how she ended up, you know, getting that nickname and it just stuck, and which I, is perfect. Well, I bet it stuck because she was playing a lot of uh, baseball and softball and, and dominating. So I bet yeah. people are like, yeah, that's Babe right there. Like, it, it's one of those things where maybe it wasn't originally from Babe Ruth, but I bet it was associated later on and then Oh, continued. totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, that just totally makes sense. And uh, she grew up playing all sorts of things. Like you said, baseball. She was into track and field, which uh, we'll get into a little bit later. Yep. And uh, just kind of rose through the ranks 
and given opportunities where there weren't a lot of opportunities for women in athletics at the time. Yeah, she played, and this is what I found interesting, was she literally did everything that women were allowed to do, basketball, bowling. Basketball, yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it kind of listed these things that she was excelling in, and then it had like a little footnote that was just like, and this was all the sports that women were allowed to play, and it was like, oh, she literally went out and played them all. and. Like- accelerated at golf i think more than that was her most dominant thing i mean like i like i had brought up before like with bo jackson if they had marketing and nike was a thing it would have been babe nose instead of bo nose yeah exactly (laughs) she would she would have been hitting those towering home runs and sticking people in the backfield oh yeah i mean she uh as far as the track and field that was kind of what uh she shined at at the beginning of her career, it's where she kind of burst out. Well, I feel like that's where, and this is in the 1930s, that's where women could burst out was in the Olympics. Yes, in the Olympics, because she was an amateur, and we'll get into that later with golf. But uh, 1932 Los Angeles Olympics, she set four world records, won two gold medals and one silver, two gold medals in the 80-meter hurdles and the javelin throw, and... The high jump was kind of controversial because she should have won a gold medal in the high jump. But what ended up happening from what I had researched was she had tied the woman that ended up winning as far as like the height of said jump. But what happened was they said she had a improper technique when yeah. she matched it. So they just gave her the silver medal. I thought that was because I, I tried to research that and I was actually extremely confused by it. There's obviously no video or anything that we can go back on, but it was almost one of those like uh, Olympic boxing kind of controversies where yeah, they were just like, like Roy we're Jones. Just, yeah, yeah, we're just going to award this to this person because we liked the way she jumped. And it's like, wait, what? Stop dominating, yes, you bitch. Exactly. <laughs> like, I wonder if it had that. I wonder if she had that kind of biased against her of like, no, no, we're going to give it to somebody else because you've won enough, which is the absolute wrong and just the worst kind of attitude to have in an Olympic. Yeah, I mean, it's competition. It's competition. Yeah. Um, What I found interesting, though, was she's the only person, male or female, to win gold medals in a running and a throwing event. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like, how versatile is your athletic skill set to be able to do that? And she just went out and kicked ass. Yeah. Well, it, it it's pretty indicative of what her later career is going to be or the way she can dominate in all these different aspects of being an athlete. And that's why she's rated as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, as far as her basketball career she was on the aau team for like a club that had all sorts of an athletic club that had all sorts of events um her team the dallas golden cyclones they won in 1931 the team championship and then she won in 1932 for track for the dallas golden cyclones she placed first in five of the eight events i believe and she was tied for first and sixth, won the whole damn thing, and she was the only person on the team. Yeah, so other teams had full rosters of like, hey, this is our hurdle jumper, hey, this is our sprinter. She literally was the only one in every event and won. Yeah, like, how do you do that? How do you freaking do something like that? It, it's what It's this thing where she was a step above almost all the other female athletes at that time. And what I can't figure out is like it wasn't like she was this like 
massive woman. It's not like she's like a Brittany Griner in the WNBA just dominating just simply because of size. Yeah. She's five foot seven, 126 pounds from what I had found out. That is not, that is like an average sized woman. Yeah. I mean, just all of that athletic talent packed into just a run of the mill package, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like she really broke, and I, I'll bring this up a bunch, but broke the idea of what uh, being a woman athlete was at that time. But I wonder if a lot of other athletes were women athletes at that time were watching her and being like, I could do kind of more like what she does yeah, and, and put that much more into it because it felt like she was essentially putting everything she could into it and maybe other women weren't exactly and and by that same token i'm glad you brought that up you know a lot of women and girls who watched her it's like okay well maybe i can't play like 10 different sports but there's one thing that i'm really good at and i see somebody going out and actually attempting it and doing well in it yeah and it wasn't like she was just competing against other women. What I found as a baseball fan really interesting was in uh, 1934, she went and pitched in spring training games against professional baseball teams. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was an unwritten rule uh, set because of her and a couple of other women like her because of the uh, Rockford Peacher, Peaches days. But they, they, it was one of those unwritten rules that said, hey, we're not going to bring a woman to the... Yeah, and like, but what I what I found so cool was that this is like in the mid '30s when she's doing this. Yeah, this is like a decade, decade and a half before, before. like a league of their own, exactly. and the All American Professional Baseball League for that, the ladies. That's why I feel like she was such a trendsetter, such a you know this this you know. Yeah, and it was of... never it was never a gender thing from what I gathered from her. It was more of a I play sports, yeah. I want to play at the highest possible level. Let's see what I have. Yeah, and she and she did. That was she I mean, really on all the sports. So like this is mid thirties, thirty four, thirty five, and then that's when she I feel like finds golf and really starts to excel and really that becomes her sport. Yeah. Um I just wanted to bring up oh, a couple yeah. more things on the baseball. So 34 spring training. She Dom pit- baseball guy is going to bring up more things on baseball. Go know, ahead, right? man. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just found it so cool. Um, no, I agree. Uh, March 20th, 1934, uh, she pitched uh, one scoreless inning for the Philadelphia Athletics against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Gave up only one walk, no hits. Uh, that must di- have been awesome to watch. Oh, right. That's something that I, I like because obviously no no film from that era. But it's one of those things where you have to have shown up, watched it, and been like, that was amazing. Right. Just One like, inning, good inning pitched. In, insane. Two, yeah. day, two days later, she pitched for uh, the Cardinals against the Red Sox. Uh, kind of got shelled a little bit, gave up three earned runs. And then uh, the 25th of March, a few days later, for the New Orleans Pelicans, I guess they were a, a minor league team at the time, she pitched against the uh, Cleveland Indians and pitched two scoreless innings and lined out on her only at bat. I mean, just to put wood on the ball as a man, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> no, it's great. And to you could see that she was and probably could have been a pitcher on these teams, two scoreless innings. Like she could have been a uh, – it's hard to say because of how their, their pitching worked back then. It was – not like it is now. No, but no. The, if it was like now, she could have been a middle reliever. You know what I mean? Like it, it's one of those things where she could have played with 
Man, she could have competed. Yes, exactly. She could have competed. She wouldn't have been a dominant player, but you could see no, yeah. she would have been able to compete with the guys. And like you had brought up before, let's get into it. Uh, she's most famous for, though, uh, golf. And legitimizing women's golf. Yeah, like women's golf was kind of like, you know, scattered all over the place, not really unified, just kind of like not really recognized by the American public like men's golf was. Yes. So uh, 1935, she starts golfing um, against men. At least she tried to, but she had to still keep her amateur status. So she's competing as an amateur in these events and just absolutely laying waste to the competition. Well, it's interesting because golf for its entire history essentially has tried to keep women and minorities away from the golf course. Yeah. And to think back in 35, like in that era of when they were like, no, no lady, get back in the kitchen even more so than um, it's crazy to think that she's just out there proving everybody wrong. Like literally she was just destroying these guys. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Angle Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. Oh, yeah. Like, by 1947, um, she had not only won the British Ladies Amateur, she had won three uh, Western Opens, which is, like, at the time, a ladies' major uh, amateur events. So she's really starting to cook here and really starting to, you know, make some noise, not only in women's golf, but just golf in general. Yeah, just that. And that's the thing. um, She really starts to break down these barriers where before it's like, well, in ladies' uh, basketball or in ladies' track, and with her, people are starting to say, well, in golf and in track, you know, they're breaking down that first word, before the you know the sport and that's i mean she is just like the the mold of that yeah um a sports writer said nobody excited the gallery more when they stepped into the tea stand man or woman as much as her and arnold palmer that is some high praise right there yeah that's quite the company to be in yeah and um overall because her golf career, as far as a professional, wasn't very long, and we'll probably get into why later. Um, she won 41 events on the tour. Yeah. And 10 majors. And 10 majors. So well, she she was pretty much just laying waste to everybody else in the short time that she played. She had 10 tournament wins in 20 days in 1950. 1950 was kind of like her golden year as far as golf because she won the grand slam across the board yeah. against the competition i mean that's like some tiger woods type dominance coming from babe Diedrichsen zaharias yeah definitely but um she did run into some health issues though and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about now because you always wonder what could have been with her especially with golf because we see these players hit their stride later in life when they're like 40, like she was, and almost have other parts of their game really lock in. And her game was really locking in in 1950. And then, you know. Yeah, because by 1953, as she's just kind of sailing along, she ends up being diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. And we kind of you know, diminishes her talent a bit, but she's so dominant that she keeps winning tournaments that um, in 1954, she won the U.S. Women's Open wearing a colostomy bag. Yeah. 
That one was absolutely wild. Can you imagine that everyone talks about like Jordan in the flu game, you know, like, oh, Jordan got food poisoning from yeah. a pizza. Was he carrying a bag with his own shit around on the court? I mean, obviously golf's a lot more low impact. I was going to say, but it has that swing where it's still, you're still, you know. I mean, look. Not to be a dick, but if I'm in the gallery and I know she's wearing a colostomy bag, I am standing at the very back, frightened that that thing could open. Exactly. <laughs> like, there, there's definitely possibility of disgusting things happening. But the the great aspect of the story is she went out sick and, and still won. It, it's such a commendable thing. It's such a thing that and people still talk about her. That's why we're bringing her up, because she had all of these great achievements and then got sick and still won you know and still don and still played like know? how could you not look up to somebody like that male or female and go not only are you tough but you're good yeah you know like you're not letting it affect you and the sad part for that is is the fact that she ended up you know, beating it once and then it comes back. Yeah, which and, normally happens with cancer. But. Yeah, exactly. And it keeps uh, keeps killing you. But she won nine tournaments, nine, after being diagnosed the first time. Yeah. Which, unfreaking believable. I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, man, and then that one time they wheeled her out in a wheelchair and she just hit that hole in one. But that's the kind of attitude she had still being sick like i'm still here and i'm gonna play this until essentially i die yeah i'm not gonna i'm not screwing around here yeah like, i'm here to win this entire thing if i can actually make it on a field or a course or a pitch or whatever she ended up, or a, whatever she ended up doing yeah well that's the thing about the golf is uh, she won all these tourneys and if you were essentially winning one of these you you had to beat her yeah, that's, you know, like there wasn't like golf today. You see guys kind of like dropping off and like somebody will win and then somebody else will win. It wasn't like that back then. Like if you were winning, you had to beat her. Yeah, like she was second and you were first. That's the way those tourneys like laid out. It was like Tiger pre yes. sex scandal. Yes, essentially, which I, I still want to talk. Well, might bring this up just Tiger and his sex scandal and the decline of his yeah, of I mean, his I, game after that, which is so. I don't know if there was some mojo going on with that, or it's like the bog. It's almost like the Boggs thing with his uh, with, uh, the, with his bang mate. Yeah, with his you mistress. know, like his batting average yeah. going up. You know, and, and since we're into the misogyny part of this uh, episode, <laughs> let's let's bring up. Oh, uh, can I bring up one more okay, thing though okay. about kind of breaking down barriers because oh, of yeah, how important of she was to just women's sports and sports overall? In uh, 1948, she tried to uh, enter the U.S. Men's Open. Oh really? Yeah, she had she had uh, applied and uh, had uh, was more than qualified to at least compete. I'm not sure. saying she would have won, but the uh, U.S. Open denied her based on her gender. Wow! Uh, they blocked her out. Yeah, of course. Of co I mean, of course for the time, but it's like she paved the way for all these Annika Sorenstams and Michelle Wees to actually go out and try. Yeah, because that's kind of what you're looking for. Which is crazy to think that that finally happened in the 2000s, and she tried in 48. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, but that's that's how golf was is, like, always the last, I feel like. But it's the most, uh, like, even more than tennis. Yeah. Yeah. Which tennis is ridiculous. They make you wear the all-white 
fuck uniform and yeah, shit. like with Agassi, like, like with Agassi. But it's still golf is like uh, minorities, women get the hell out of here, and it's it's like literally recently, like we were saying in the two thousands, where they're like, I guess women could play in the open. I guess it's an open tourney. Like yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But like in less than a decade, she won forty one tournaments. Oh, I know. That's that's the thing about in that era too, forty eight, forty nine, fifty, where she was really hitting the shit out of the ball and like she could have you don't really know with golf at that time she could have competed for a, a u.s open victory that's what's ridiculous oh not, not only that but just like had because golf is one of those sports you know we had talked about with Payne stewart before you can still be competitive in your mid to late 50s oh absolutely she could have won upwards of triple digit tournaments and Lord knows how many majors she would have won. Yeah. But her dominance allowed women's golf to kind of come together and be like a congealed, you know, sport. It yeah. wasn't so scattered throughout the country. It was one governing body. It was like she almost she's the almost the reason the LPGA was invented. Well, the and I think about this through a lot of sports. They need these superstars that get people the average person who exactly who isn't interested interested like even if they're not gonna necessarily they they're aware of it they're aware of it or they're tuning in because they heard about yes this woman that just picked up a golf club one day a set of clubs one day and was just like oh i can do this yeah and it's it's interesting because you see sports take a turn Mm -hmm. and you see you know like the emergence of the lpga like it's so interesting like you see basketball really coming together in the 80s you see you know i hate to say it but hockey kind of falling apart in the end of the 90s and and we'll get into that uh but it's it's so interesting to see these stars essentially take their sport to that next level and and it reverberate for decades and it and it's not just like it's not just sports. It's like she poured everything in her being into other endeavors. Like she was a skilled singer and harmonica player. I mean, she recorded two songs. I felt a little teardrop and uh, I believe detour. Like, come on. You can't be good that good at everything. And that this is pre-SoundCloud. I don't know if anybody understands how time works. But like, <laughs> it was hard to record a song. Like you had to... First off, you had to be really talented, and second off, you had to like really have the gumption to get out there and record. I mean, she won the 1931 South Texas State Fair sewing competition. Yes, like all over the place. The the focus that she had in anything she did, I think that was something that, and this is what we keep hitting on, but I think it's something that we have to is it, she was such an example for women of that time who were constantly being told no, she was like, yes, I can do literally anything I put my mind to. I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Yeah. And what's what's crazy, though, is like if you're into sports, you know who she is because she's that revered. But if you're not, because time has passed and there are all the opportunities for women now, a lot of people don't know who she is. A lot of people, she's almost been lost to history, despite the fact she has a museum dedicated to her in her hometown. And she should. That's the thing. Oh, she yeah. should be more revered because of everything that she did. It, and it's hard to pinpoint because it took so many years 
for it to, I feel like, happen. Yeah, because there's like that dark ages period after she dies until really the late 80s, early 90s when women's sports becomes like a legitimate thing in the sports consciousness, yeah, like the, the, the wider o- sports consciousness. The only sport that we can say outside of that is like tennis, and that was like in the 70s that started. And then other yeah. stuff. It, it's so interesting because... And I want to get into um, her sexual orientation or the the speculation thereof. Yeah. But I feel like women's sports was really looked at like a bunch of lesbians getting together and you know doing their yeah doing uh, whatever the whatever they do because of the shitty you know widely held belief amongst people of that time period. It's like much like you said, everyone thinks that they're just you know, a bunch of those types of people. Yeah. And they just dismiss it. They immediately dismiss it and don't look at the overall aggregate uh, accomplishments that she had. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into it right now. Yeah. Um, she was married. She was married to uh, a gentleman named George Zaharius. George Zaharius. That's how she got her yeah. last name. He was a professional wrestler um, with one of the greatest wrestling nicknames, I think. He was from Pueblo, Colorado, but his nickname was the Crying Greek from Cripple Creek. That's awesome. And Cripple Creek is not like near Pueblo. It's uh, it's an old uh, dead mining town. The, but but it, the name just rolls off the tongue. Oh, yeah. You can't it's, deny it's the perfect. Crying Greek from <laughs> Cripple Creek, you know? Uh, they had no children, but she kind of, you know, had met him throughout, you know, her career. And they both got together, whether it was a relationship built on, you know, convenience or, you know, whatever at that time it it was what it was well i think it um had to very mirrored the billy jean king um situation where yeah les- where lesbians of that time um essentially tried to fight it themselves and, and see if they could get married and see if that would work and it essentially wouldn't and kind of fall apart and that's when they realized like hey i need to be myself Exactly. Just be who the hell you are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's easy for us to say now. Because I was, yeah, I was gonna say. At that time, though, it had to be like super duper, especially scary because she's in the spotlight, and it's so rare for a woman to be a, an athletic star. She's essentially the first one in America that they, if she came out and was a lesbian, they would have... Everything would have been taken away from her. Everything. And she would have essentially been vilified as, you know, I mean, I don't really want to get into the religious side of it, but, like, she would have been, especially even in her hometown, I don't even know if they would have built a museum for her. Her home home state. (laughs) Well, yeah, Texas. I mean, we could... But you know what I mean? Like, I don't think the attention to her accomplishments, like you were saying, would would be treated like it is because of the way people treated same-sex relationships and uh the woman she was most famously linked to you know they can neither confirm nor deny but rumors uh about another fellow golfer at the time named betty dodd yeah that was kind of where speculation and stuff was getting out but it's and like you had brought up before that's that's kind of the whole situation with the time period is that you had to be so dominant at that time as a woman to be recognized, to be recognized for everything. And if something gets out, it can be taken all away in an instant. Yeah. And you'll just be lost to everything. Lost to time. Yeah. And she kind of is, which is unfortunate because you read about her and you're like, 
That's what I, yeah. Why the hell? Like, all, all you do is like, all, all you can really see now is just her name on lists of best athletes of the 20th century. That's, yeah. But you don't know what she did until you research it. Until you research it. That's why I think she was so great, because you're right. I kept seeing her on these lists, and I was like, 54th best athlete of all time. Before I even started the research, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. Yeah. Like, all-around athlete, yes, I would agree. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's really a... She is a really a great example of uh, sports transcending sports. Sports transcending social norms almost. Yeah. Like, I, I wish more people would talk about her and her accomplishments. And I feel like we would be talking about her more because by 1955, with the cancer returning, her health is in decline. Yeah, that's when... If she had lived into the 70s, you know, and, you know, still played golf, still played golf, she would be much more recognizable. She would be a much bigger name. But by, and I uh, wonder if women's sports would have came around that decade earlier. You know, it's one. Yeah. you just never know. It's one of those. What if exactly? And by September 27th, 1956, she ended up dying from Colon cancer, cancer, which yeah. is just damn unfortunate to see what could have been yeah it's always sad when somebody dies of cancer um but yeah she was especially in the prime of her life as an gonna, as an athlete yeah. too because she was in such great physical condition but sometimes the genetic cards are just stacked against you you know man it just sucks yeah well like we were talking about with magic johnson he was lucky enough to be in the prime of his athletic condition when he caught hiv she was not lucky enough to beat you know cancer it, it's such a, it's a obviously a completely different disease but it's it's one of those things where you see athletes times cut short and uh, for me i don't think there's anything more sad in sports yeah and it's not like an injury where she can it's just not, yeah. go on to do other things because i can guarantee you after her playing career ended she would have been out on the front line saying like let us play oh i'm sure i'm sure and just it's tragic but it's so refreshing to research somebody like this and do it on the podcast. Yeah, and uh, this is the first woman that we did, but we will be doing more women to come. I just felt like, uh, and you actually brought her up, Yeah, but, but uh, we felt like she was a woman that laid the groundwork for all these other women that we'll be talking about coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Babe Diedrichson Zaharias, female Bo Jackson... I like that. I, I think she I, really that, is. I mean, because of all the stuff she did. Yeah. When he kept saying it, I was like, oh, I hope he brings that up on the podcast. Female <laughs> Bo Jackson. Because she hit the shit out of the ball. She was a pitcher, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Babe knows sports. That's what I'm leaving it as. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to that podcast. This is just a stock message at the end of all of our podcasts. So we hope you enjoy. You listen to whatever athlete that was. Give us a follow at the Sports Experience Podcast on Instagram. Also, myself at Sequin Comedy on Instagram. Also, Totola Dominic on Instagram. Just follow us all around. If you have any suggestions for any athletes you want us to do, shoot us an email at the Sports Experience Podcast at gmail.com. And we always are recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.